Hey guys, it's great to be back behind the mic again. Our holiday vacation went a little longer than expected, thanks to some extenuating circumstances, but we're back and re-energized, and we've got some great shows lined up for you guys. Also, to the listener who gave us an iTunes review under the name capital O-I-C-I-R little O, you're the winner of our Amazon gift card giveaway. Tweet us at MythsPodcast or email us at MythsPodcast at gmail.com so we can get that gift card in the mail. And now that the housekeeping is all done, without further ado, enjoy the episode. There's a whole fleet of them. Look on the NSA. My gosh. They're all going against the wind. The wind's 120 knots to the west. Oh, I think, dude. That's not an LNS, though, is it? It's not. It is an LNS, dude. Well, if there's like a thing, it's rotating. Uh, we see them electro-optically, we see them with radar, we see them uh, as, uh, as eyewitness reports um, through a myriad of different ways and avenues that we receive the information and try to ascertain and determine if that information is a potential threat to national security, in a nutshell. So what did you find? Well, we found a lot. My personal belief is that uh, there is very compelling evidence that we, uh, we may not be alone, whatever that means. We at Myths and Mysteries are big fans of the X-Files. We've spent countless hours watching and re-watching as Agents Mulder and Scully battled monsters and their own government while investigating the alien agenda for their clandestine secret agency, the X-Files Division. Even today, the X-Files continue to inspire new generations, movies, and TV shows, as well as long-awaited new X-Files seasons. The X-Files were based partially on actual events. The U.S. government really did have secret divisions like Project Sign, Project Grudge, and the infamous Project Blue Book that investigated claims of UFO sightings and extraterrestrials. But Project Blue Book was halted in 1970, and the United States government is no longer interested in investigating UFO sightings. At least, that's what we were all told. Until December 16th, 2017. You're listening to Myths and Mysteries. A giant, hairy creature, part ape, part man. Indians call him Sasquatch. There are busts of King Tut that also show an elongated skull. Taunting the police, chiding them, daring them to capture him. And finally, he invented a name for himself. Jack the Ripper. Analysis of the ground features suggests that this animal was indeed at least 40 feet long. He could have easily eaten up a man. I expect that we'll keep looking um, from now on until we find him or find out what happened. On December 16th, the New York Times published an article entitled Glowing Auras and Black Money, the Pentagon's Mysterious UFO Program. The piece detailed a government project called the Advanced Aviation Threat Detection Program, which got its start in 2007 when it was given $22 million in funding. As the article points out, this $22 million 
was nearly impossible to spot in the annual Department of Defense budget, which is around $600 billion. The Advanced Aviation Threat Detection Program, or AATIP, operated on the fifth floor of the Pentagon's C-Ring until its funding ended in 2012, and it was officially shut down. But the man who ran the AATIP, which we'll call ATIP, Luis Elizondo, says that it never really ceased operations. Elizondo claims that from the time the department's funding ended in 2012, up until he resigned from his office in October 2017, he continued to do his job, working with officials from the Navy and CIA. Elizondo, who held top security clearance, says his resignation was due to excessive secrecy and internal opposition within the DOD. As part of his resignation, Elizondo arranged for the release of the UFO video shot by a Navy F-18 pilot in 2004, which took the internet by storm around the same time that the existence of the ATIP was acknowledged in December. The video shows an oval-shaped object flying and hovering as the F-18 pilot struggles to lock onto it. The audio from the footage reveals that the object is moving at impressive speeds against a strong headwind. One of the pilots involved, Commander James Fravor, told CNN that the UFO looked like a 40-foot-long tic-tac, which maneuvered and changed direction at high speeds. Elizondo also sent a memo to Secretary of Defense James Mattis, claiming that UFOs posed a significant national security threat that was being largely ignored. Elizondo has said that the ATIP's work is still ongoing, and that he was succeeded as its head, although he declined to name his replacement. After resigning from the DoD, Elizondo joined forces with To the Stars Academy for Arts and Sciences, a media company founded by the vocalist for Blink-182 and Angels and Airwaves, Tom DeLonge. He was joined there by former Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Intelligence, Christopher Mellon. To the Stars investigates UFO sightings and government secrecy surrounding them. In his resignation letter, Elizondo stated that there is a need for more serious attention to the many accounts from the Navy and other services of unusual aerial systems interfering with military weapons platforms and displaying beyond next-generation capabilities. He wrote to Secretary of Defense Mattis that there remains a vital need to ascertain capability and intent of these phenomena for the benefit of the armed forces and the nation. In an interview, Elizondo said that the phenomena studied by the ATIP did not seem to originate from any country, adding, quote, That fact is not something any government or institution should classify in order to keep secret from the people. Parts of the ATIP remain classified, but here's what we do know. It was founded in 2007, partly at the request of Nevada Senator Harry Reid. Reid, who was the Senate Majority Leader at the time, said his interest in UFOs began when he had a conversation with astronaut John Glenn several years ago. Glenn told Reid that the federal government should be investigating UFO claims, especially those made by military pilots and astronauts. Reid then spoke with his longtime friend, billionaire Robert Bigelow, who owns Budget Suites of America 
and Bigelow Aerospace. In 1995, Bigelow had founded the National Institute for Discovery Science to investigate fringe science and the paranormal, especially UFOs. Bigelow, who has said in a 60 Minutes interview that he is, quote, absolutely convinced that aliens have visited Earth, urged Senator Reid to begin the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program. Reid got support from two other senators, Republican Ted Stevens of Alaska and Daniel Inouye, a Democrat from Hawaii, both of whom have since passed away. And the ATIP was born. Senator Stevens has recalled being followed by an unidentified aircraft while flying missions over China in World War II. Much of the funding for the ATIP went to Bigelow Aerospace, who produced detailed documents describing UFO encounters. Multiple Bigelow Aerospace buildings were modified and turned into storage facilities to house metallic debris that allegedly came from UFO crash sites. The company also interviewed people who had experienced physical and physiological changes after coming into contact with the debris. They collected video and audio evidence from UFO sightings. In 2009, Senator Reid fought for a budget increase for the ATIP, claiming that the discoveries they had made required heightened security. Much progress has been made with the identification of several highly sensitive, unconventional aerospace-related findings, Reid wrote. Elizondo argued that the United States was unprepared to defend itself against some of the technologies that the ATIP had discovered. However, Reed's spending increase was denied. Whether the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program actually discovered tangible evidence of extraterrestrial existence is up for debate. The videos released by Luis Elizondo are startling and convincing, and the F-18 pilot's cry of, there's a whole fleet of them, is alarming, to say the least. The program is not without its detractors, including MIT astrophysicist Sarah Seeger and former NASA space shuttle engineer James Oberg, both of whom are quoted in the New York Times article. Robert Bigelow, however, feels differently. Internationally, we are the most backward country in the world on this issue, said Bigelow. Our scientists are scared of being ostracized, and our media is scared of the stigma. China and Russia are much more open, and work on this with huge organizations within their countries. Smaller countries like Belgium, France, England, and South American countries like Chile are more open too. They're proactive and willing to discuss this topic, rather than being held back by a juvenile taboo. Luis Elizondo is a believer as well. In the 2009 request for a funding increase, he wrote, What was once considered science fiction is now science fact. Of the sightings investigated by the ATIP, Elizondo said, These aircraft, we'll call them aircraft, are displaying characteristics that are not currently within the U.S. inventory, nor in any foreign inventory that we are aware of. Adds Elizondo, Things that don't have any obvious flight services, any obvious means of propulsion, and maneuvering in ways that include extreme maneuverability beyond, I would submit, the healthy G-forces of a human or anything biological. Has the Advanced Aviation Threat Identification Program proven that extraterrestrials exist and are visiting Earth? And if they have, do we really want to know?
I think I speak for both of us when I say, man, it is great to be back on the horse. And I know that for me personally, as the days approached where we were able to make this happen, get back together and create our next episode after our, our long, longer than we expected holiday break, uh, I was really, really looking forward to it. And we really kicked it off with a bang, I think, with this, uh, with this exciting episode. You, uh, you sound a little, a uh, little more manly, a little, little sexier voice than you did the last time that we spoke. You feeling okay over there? I don't know what you're talking about. I sound sexy like this all the time. <laughs> no, I am, I'm fighting to get over a cold. I have a little girl in preschool and she brings home all kinds of fun germs. And this is the latest one to race through our house. Sharing is caring. Yeah, something like that. Well, as we tackle this, um, a, a real life story that, like you mentioned at the beginning, sounds straight out of the X-Files. You've got, uh, everything short of our favorite cigarette smoking man in this story. <laughs> yeah. Well, go I'm ahead. sure, I'm sure he's probably in there somewhere. It wouldn't surprise me. It's honestly very hard to read this story and think about some of these government agencies, the meetings and the hearings that they have without picturing Mulder and, and Scully and Skinner. Yeah, absolutely. They fit right into the story, except this one's actually true. You mentioned uh, in there also that X-Files is, you know, partially, maybe very partially, maybe less partially, based on a true story. So I'm going to start off with a with a question, which is, we've done a lot of talking about these programs, Blue Book, uh, Project Grudge, Project Sign, wherein the government really did spend millions of dollars researching UFOs. So question that a lot of people have been talking about since, I guess, the 40s is, should UFOs be something that the government is paying to investigate? Should the government be investigating UFOs? What do you think? To be honest, I think it would be silly not to, um, which some of the gentlemen that we've mentioned in the story who were involved in the AATIP uh, have said similar things that, you know, if there's something there um, and you don't know what it is, how are you going to keep your people safe if you don't investigate and find out what it is? Now, we're not saying specifically that UFOs are extraterrestrial in nature. You know, it's possible, and that's probably the coolest theory. But um, as one of the gentlemen points out, I think it was James Oberg, who we mentioned in the scripted section, um, he says, you know, a lot of different entities are active in the air. It's not that you see something and you don't know what it is. It's immediately uh, an alien from another planet. Um, it could be another country. Um, we're in the age where so much technology is available to any average citizen in America that it's possible that people in America are building things in their garages, you know, that, um, that we don't know what they are and that have, uh, abilities that we haven't seen. So I want to say right off the bat that we're not just saying any UFO is automatically an extraterrestrial. That's a good point. We see so much technology that in years, even when you and I were growing up and were very small, technology that was maybe only used by the military or only used by very select groups or people with a lot of money. And now, you know, just a few years later, we've got laptops, cell phones, touchscreens, drone capabilities. I was hearing about a guy just last week who got arrested for posting a, a YouTube video channel of him flying a drone and he mounted a gun to it and was flying it through the woods and, and shooting things uh, and targets and uploaded the video to his YouTube channel. So 
maybe not the highest off the ground, but with all kinds of crazy capabilities and a lot of people out there with the ability to, to do odd things um, with some of that technology, it does seem reasonable that you would be keeping an eye on everything. I actually watched um, in a documentary that I wasn't watching for this episode. I was just watching it because I'm a nerd. But um, a guy <laughs> that works for um, an agency that tries to identify UFOs um, actually took a drone, put some LED lighting on it, sent it up like from the parking lot of a strip mall, and flew it over a town for a while, and then you know took it down, hit it, and started checking social media. And people are just flooding the internet with videos of flying saucer and UFO, and it created this huge hullabaloo. <laughs> and the guy's like, I just did this with a drone and some LED lights that I bought at the store. You know, it took like, me twenty minutes. Yeah, it's so easy now to create something that could easily be mistaken for a UFO. And um, so that's, I would think it's become incredibly, increasingly more difficult to identify things that are seen in the sky. That sounds so mean, what that guy did, but at the same time, he's kind of my new hero also, because that sounds like a blast. Oh, absolutely. I think uh, another podcast host that I heard while doing some of this research made a good point, which is we will never and we should never stop watching the skies uh and it goes to your point to the drone discussion in the age in which we live it's sad to say but there are um nuclear threats a number of places there are unstable governments um uh, unstable people and so frankly like you said it's not inherently that you're looking for a ufo all the time although we should remind everybody the the old adage ufo just means unidentified flying objects, so there are many of those, not inherently extraterrestrials, that while you're not always looking for those things, you should keep your eyes on the sky, uh, and we would be foolish not to have something uh, keeping an eye on at least, you know, our borders and so on. Oh, absolutely. So I, I think that um, the manner in which you do it can change, and the budget obviously can change, and um, that sort of thing. But I think you absolutely need to be investigating UFOs. And like you said, you absolutely need to keep an eye on the sky at all times. So we know that they're keeping an eye on the sky. There are these programs in place. And another question and a hot topic of debate for years has been, okay, we know that they're looking for these things, whether they tell us or not. Should their findings be shared with the public? Should we be able to know when they find something strange? You know, I think I speak for pretty much everyone when I say, heck yeah, we should know. Um, you know, this is, would be one of the greatest discoveries of all time, possibly one of the greatest threats to our existence of all time. Um, and you look at what the response was uh, a little over a month ago when these stories broke pretty much simultaneously about the AATIP and about the um, the footage from 2004 that the F-18 pilot had shot. And those were released and everybody was like, see, I knew it. You know, there wasn't panic or pandemonium. Everybody was pretty much like, yep, see, I knew it. I, I just don't think that at this point in, you know, in 2018, that if you told people, yeah, we're pretty sure we found evidence that aliens exist. I don't think there would be widespread panic and grocery stores sold out of bread and milk like there was a huge snowstorm coming or something. You know, I, I think we could handle it. You know, I completely agree. I think that a big issue that people expect is that everyone would freak out if we got any kind of information like this. And 
while I'm sure that there would be a certain, you know, number of people that would panic, would freak out, you know what also would make people freak out? If a secret, uh, you know, Russian plane crashed somewhere in a town or a weather balloon, or if an alien landed in your next door neighbor's yard. So I think that while we're worried about all these different things, or while it seems like that is one of the issues that they're concerned about, widespread panic, uh, I'm kind of inclined to agree with you. Not much surprises people at this point. And like you said, um, you know, we're at a point where I think we probably could handle it. And also, um, people panic regardless. People panic when what the government says is a weather balloon lands in Roswell and every time a, a drone flies over the sky. So if you find something strange out there, or, you know, even if it's possibly some uh, foreign entities or some foreign government entity, um, I, I do think that we deserve to know. But I also, to a certain extent, realize that whether or not the government will admit it, some of these things have to be some sort of secret uh, plane being tested, some secret government, you know, uh, aircraft or, you know, test a lot of these things. So to a certain extent, I understand why they give us, uh, you know, crappy answers. And we all know when they tell us some of these things that like, yeah, okay, it's not a weather balloon this time, but. I guess the element of secrecy is, to a certain extent, understandable, but at the same time, I agree. I think we deserve to know. And I realize sometimes they have to give us stock answers because they really can't come out and tell us what it is. You know, like the all the press about Area 51 several years ago, right? The Skunk Works was there. They were building the stealth, uh, I believe it was the stealth fighter at that point. And people were seeing the stealth fighter flying around over the desert at night. And they couldn't come out and tell us, oh, yeah, you know, we built this new plane. Uh, it's invisible to radar. It's super awesome. It's going to help us overseas. They couldn't tell us that. They had to make up stuff and kind of <laughs> just allow the Area 51 rumors to exist. So I'm sure that there's a bunch of stuff that's flying around right now that they can't tell us about because it would compromise national security. So I'm not super worried about that. It's the other stuff you want to know about? Yeah. Like... um. Like we said, we talked about crop circles, you know, that the majority of them are hoaxes and explained. There's a small percentage that is unexplained. And that's what we're actually interested in is that small percentage. In some of the studies, um, I want to say in Project Blue Book or one of its predecessors, they did thousands of these studies individually on individual UFO cases. And a lot of them were explainable, but there was, I believe it was originally 23% of cases that we're still unidentified. So I'm with you. We want to know what those are. The last question I have, um, first, I've got a quote from Luis Elizondo in an interview with ESPN, or ESPN, yeah, with CNN. Yeah, he said, my personal belief is that there is very compelling evidence that we may not be alone. Um, that's what he told CNN. So my question for you is, do you believe that the AATIP found something. Oh, man. Because um, Luis Elizondo seems pretty convinced. And Robert Bigelow, who owns Bigelow Aerospace, that did all the work for the ATIP, he's pretty convinced, too. There are a lot of people that are convinced. And originally, some of the government studies that were done in 1947... To 49 and then through uh, to 69 there were 
times when those government results came back and the the teams were saying, hey, yeah, we think it's pretty reasonable that that we're not alone. Um, and so there have been plenty of people throughout history, plenty of intelligent people, um, from John Glenn, the famed astronaut, to pilots and some of the guys you mentioned who have said, either I believe or, um, you know, we should be investigating the old, the truth is out there approach. And honestly, I would say, yes, I think they found something, keyword being something. And I don't want to, um, to ramble on to say essentially nothing, but the universe is a big place. There are strange things. And I do personally believe, uh, in maybe more being out there than what we can see. And so I would say the likelihood that they found extraterrestrial life or a craft being piloted by an extraterrestrial life, I couldn't say for sure, yes or no, but some of the video that I've seen and, and we talked about is very compelling. Some of the the evidence that's been brought up is very compelling, and I think that there are some things that can't be explained away, so at the very least, I would say they probably have seen something. They probably that was some sort of uh, unidentified flying object. And, uh, and at the very least, um, maybe a never before seen aircraft or, or some sort of crazy technology. You know, I think I'm with you on this one. I think to bring it all back home to the X-Files, if I had to choose, I think I would be a Mulder on this one. I think I would, <laughs> uh, agree that, you know, they, they had to have found something. Um, you look at the video that we just saw, um, that was shot in 2004 of the, the giant 40 foot tic tac zooming along and stopping and shooting upwards and around and you know and the pilot swears he's never seen anything like it and and i look at uh, i don't know if you've seen them there's video clips um from one of the cameras on the space station where multiple times you see on the live feed where an object seems to emerge out of the earth's atmosphere and the camera immediately shuts off and that's happened multiple times. Mm-hmm. Now, it's a camera on, you know, a big pile of wires and tinfoil floating in space. I'm sure glitches are probably normal. Um, but again, can't explain it. And it's super weird. So, you know, I think given the mountain of evidence and the fact that um, the UFO phenomenon and the government's interest in it just never seems to go away, um, I would say, yeah. I think that they have found something, whether it's extraterrestrial, whether it's from another government, whether it's something that we made ourselves, I don't know. But um, I think where there's smoke, there's fire. A point that you made, and this goes to your point that you're making right now, uh, to me before you'd said, you know, these projects went on for at least 12 years before it, it allegedly was shut down and then started again years later. And I doubt that the government would spend millions and millions and millions of dollars to be out there and looking at nothing and to continually find nothing. I think that if it wasn't valuable, like you said, they would have shut it down. And one final point before I stop rambling, that's what I do. I come on here and I ramble. (laughs) I do, you know, we subscribe to the supernatural. We believe that there are strange things out there. We've talked about everything from Lovecraftian entities, which we've brought up a number of times to uh, a lot of other strange and supernatural things. So, This doesn't feel, to me, any different than those.
thank you all for patiently waiting on the next episode of Myths and Mysteries. We are so excited to be back and can't wait to get started on what we have planned for the rest of this new year. You'll want to come back in two weeks for our attempt to cover the only known murder to take place in the South Pole. Come for the mysteries. Stay for the elf movie references. As always, we want to hear from you. Email us or give us an episode recommendation at mythsandmysteriespod.com or mythspodcast at gmail.com. Get in touch with us even faster on Facebook, where our handle is Myths and Mysteries Podcast, or Twitter at Myths Podcast. We love to hear from you, and we read every word you say on social media and reviews. Leave us one of those on iTunes or Apple Podcasts to help us climb in the ranks and other people to find us, and tell us what you like about the show or how we can make it better. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll see you next time.